welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Um, so we're going to go ahead and start. Um, Yvonne and I have decided to sit here because it's more comfortable for us and it feels more informal. Um, and so we're sitting here versus back there. So just wanted to explain that. And if you're having trouble hearing, please move forward because for some reason they haven't amplified this meeting. So... Will all who care to join me in a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Hi, we're Yvonne and I'm Ted. Your leaders for this meeting. This is an Essanon couples meeting open to both Essanon and SA. This is a special meeting which deals specifically with couple relationships, sharing our experience, strength, and hope with the 12 steps of recovery. This meeting is being recorded. If you do not wish to be recorded, please do not share. Please speak loudly enough for all to hear, which I hope I'm doing. Personal audio and visual recordings are not permitted. Please silence all mobile devices. The topic for this meeting is communication strategies. Would someone please, oh no, would someone please read the reading from Reflections of Hope? Hi, I'm Dana. Hi. Uh, allowing communication. Before recovery, I was driven by fear and rage, and my partner's sexual behavior seemed to push me into these reactions frequently. Essanon has helped me notice my feelings and then choose what to do with them. I don't have to react. I can respond. Part of responding is allowing for communication from the sexaholic rather than jumping to conclusions. My recovery has taught me that I'm not always right and that being right doesn't really even matter. What matters is that I can politely, briefly, and sanely state my feelings to my partner and allow him the dignity to choose what he needs to do next. Then I can choose what the next healthy action is for me. We can make choices about how we show up in our relationship with one another and how we respond to each other. Through going to meetings and trying to apply the principles of the SNM program, I have changed my behavior in my relationship. My changed behavior has con- contributed to a peace we previously had never known in our relationship. This piece is a miracle to me. I'm so grateful for everything Essanon offers me to learn. Further reflections. In recovery, I'm becoming an active listener to what she slash he says, at least some of the time. This has not been easy or natural for me. Rather, communication and listening are things I've cultivated. Recovering together issues faced by couples. So four and one, that'd be great. Thanks. Um, hi, I'm Yvonne, a grateful Essanon and recovering with Ted. Um, just quickly, I grew up in a house that didn't model exactly good communication. Daddy raged and yelled and mommy cringed. And if mommy was yelling at one at dad, it was at us. So 
I, I didn't know how to communicate. I only knew how to cringe in fear and try to be a good girl and do whatever made the most sense to keep daddy happy. And, um, so I was afraid to get married. I was afraid because my parents got divorced. Everyone I seemed to know got divorced and I didn't want to get divorced. So I insisted we take a how to, how to be married class in essence. And uh, I remember pretty much nothing from that class, although I'm sure it served us well over the years. But, but the one thing that we held on to and that, kind of kept us going even through all the craziness was um there was one class on how to how to fight fair basically and and things not to say during an argument and and the one that we remember is you're just like your mother right and and so it became this point of humor and we even this is pre-programmed that was a tool that we used then it's like if it was a moment of levity to kind of lighten the mood so we could actually let go of the anger and get to the meat of whatever the matter was um one of um one of the things that the tools that i've discovered in program is the Listen and learn, I guess is how we say it in our meetings. But I, I think of it as when you're a little kid at a stop sign and they told you to stop, look, and listen. Um, that, for me, has become a really important tool. I need to stop and think before I speak. I need to listen to what he's saying and think about what I'm saying and how I'm saying it. Um, because sometimes... If I stop and think, I realize it's none of my business to say anything right now. What I'm saying is because I'm just feeling pissy, and that has nothing to do with our relationship. That's my problem. That's not something he's responsible for. So when I stop and think about stuff, I actually sometimes decide actually not to talk. And and I count that as good communication skills because it's not saying stuff that I'm going to have to regret later. Um, The other thing we've come up with is this sort of caveat, like, I'm not sure this is going to come out right or there's something I need to talk to you about and it's difficult or something like that to open the conversation. And what I find when Ted says that to me, I'm able to sit back and actually really listen without judgment. I'm I'm really good at the knee jerk reactions and it keeps my little knee jerk knee in place and out of the conversation. I can just hear what he has to say and allow him the space to say something that might be difficult or painful or whatever it is. And and if I do that then again we can talk about it. We might talk about it the next day, we might talk about it then, but but if I can listen without judgment, that's that's huge to our um communication, <laughs> our good communication. Um, another thing is, uh, took me about six years in a program to get my voice around this one. And I'm still, you know, what I'm doing is allowing myself to get my voice as it comes. And this one was, I felt like it, six years in program, we were doing our program, we were getting along, you know, everything was good, but I just, we weren't talking. And to talk felt scary to just say the little, I was back to daddy, you know, how's he going to react? And that isn't fair to him and it's not fair to me. And I, and Ted will get into it a little more, but basically we started something we call the chatty. Um, and we, we talked to each other and, and what happened in, in doing this was we set up a regular time to talk. It allowed us to talk all the time uh, for, for me. And I think I'll let Ted speak for himself, I guess. Um, but for me, all of a sudden we had this date and I knew we were going to have these talks and we would be able to start 
be better communicating it all of a sudden I could just say, Oh, as an, you know, just a one-off. Oh, by the way, hun, blah, blah, blah. I wasn't afraid. It took away all the fear for me. Um, it, well, not quickly, but it was part of the process. We need both of them. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. All right. How's that? Is that better? Okay. Hi. Um, <laughs> Sorry, we only have an hour. Um, but anyway, this concept of the chatty that Ted will get much more in depth on gave me the courage and the ability to be able to, all of a sudden now we talk about everything. Oh, and there's my minute. And, um, and for me, that is intimacy, which I know we're not talking about intimacy, but that's the reality of it. Great. Thank you, Yvonne. Uh, hi, I'm Ted. Um, a little bit about me. Um, I grew up in a family where feelings were never really expressed. Um, and, um, and that really kind of led to my addiction because it gave me an opportunity to bury my feelings. Um, before program and very early on, our communication was really t- – we weren't con- we weren't connecting. We weren't communicating. Um, it was like two ships in the night. We were just passing – uh, or it was like parallel play. Uh, we, we did our own things. We were very much focused on raising our children. Uh, one of them was diagnosed as being bipolar, and that just sucked enormous amounts of energy out of us and out of our family to deal with, with our son. And so we ended up in a situation where there was really no deep communication. There was no emotional intimacy. Um, and for my go-to, it was to isolate, it was to act out, and it was to be, it was my work. Um, and so, um, very early on in our relationship, you know, Yvonne and I developed kind of some rules of engagement. And she mentioned one of them, which was n- not to insult her mother <laughs> um, as a way of you're just like your mother. But also, um, Yvonne told me, <laughs> uh, y- Yvonne told me that um, in her parents, uh, when they would argue, somebody would always leave. And she was concerned, she felt that when I was to leave, she felt abandoned. So one of the rules was I would have to stay and kind of be in the moment and deal with, you know, the feelings that I was having, the anger or whatever. Um, the other thing that we do is if we have a disagreement or a conversation that, you know, it gets to a point where it ends, quite often either she or I will come back, you know, almost 24 hours later or the next day and we'll re-engage. You know, dear, I was thinking about that. I have some more thoughts. And it really helps us get through the entire conversation, maybe not in one sitting, but over potentially could be a couple of days. Um, Yvonne talked about what we call the chatty, which the word that came from is chat, C-H-A-T-T-Y, Ted and Yvonne. Um, <laughs> is that cute? <laughs> um, and so we have chatties. Um, and, um, you know, the, the communication strategy, what I wanted to talk about is you know, the communication strategy is simple, is for us to talk together. But what's more important for, I think, for me was the process that led up to a situation where Yvonne and I can now have very open, very honest, and sometimes very spontaneous conversations about where we are, what's going on. Um, Yvonne um, 
she said, you know, six years into my recovery or our recovery, I really wanted to have more intimate conversations. Um, and um, to me, that was very scary. I didn't know what intimacy was because um, I had practiced non-intimacy, emotional empathy for probably 20 years. Um, and it was very frightening to me. You know, at one point I thought intimacy is sitting in a circle and singing Kumbaya. Um, and so Yvonne came forward with an idea, which was someplace she had found or somebody in program had given her four questions that it would be kind of be the, the starting of these intimate conversations. And I looked at them and they were incredibly frightening. And it seemed like it was an, a, like a very big step to take to sit down and think about four questions every week and to be able to kind of talk through them. Um, and what I wanted to do was to take a little step. Um, and there's a couple of things that I think, you know, we waited six years to get to this point, but in a lot of ways, I think that was the timing was right because for me to be honest with Yvonne, I needed to be honest with myself. Um, and I think working in program, um, and taking steps forward and steps back and steps forward, it took me a long time to get to that place where I could be honest with myself. Um, and also, I wanted to take little steps. You know, they call this a 12-step program, but I view it and I kind of approach it as if it's 12,000 steps um, in that I take a lot of very little steps. Um, and what I was looking for as we were trying to improve our communication was could I find a little step to take? Um, and that four steps just seemed like a huge leap and really was kind of more risk of failure. But if we talk, a, if we took a little step and be successful, we could grow upon that. And so what we did is we agreed on Sunday afternoons that we would get together. And the first conversation we had was I had found an article in a popular psychology magazine that talked about intimacy and relationships. Um, and so I made a copy of it and gave it to Yvonne and gave it to me, and, and I had it. And the goal was we were going to talk about the article because it was really trying to talk about how couples build intimacy. And so it was a very little step that we took to have these Sunday afternoon conversations, and it was a step forward. Um, and it was a little step. Um, and what it allowed me to do is that in that very little step, I could be a little vulnerable and I could begin to open up and be more honest. Um, and, you know, that's, we've, since that little step, we've grown to where we can have these very honest and regular conversations. Um, and there's a couple of things that I, as I step back and look at our success in, in doing this, is a couple of things. First of all, I had to accept Yvonne for who she is. And acceptance was a big part of kind of our, my success in having good communication with Yvonne. The other one is a willingness to try something new. Um, I had, you know, fortunately in, in our lives and in our coupleship, we're always willing to try something new in our recovery, you know, new recipes, new, new adventures, whatever, but it was the willingness to try something new. Another thing that was important is, you know, is that Yvonne and I have, I'm committed to the relationship and, and I'm willing to try anything to make sure that the relationship is going to succeed. Um, and it was those taking those little steps that got us to a place where we can now have very open and very honest communication. Um, and so that's our story, and that was kind of our progress, our strategy of getting to the place where we are today. So thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Ted.
Now is the time for sharing. Because our common welfare comes first, here are the guidelines for sharing. If you wish to share, please wait to be recognized by the leader as there is no crosstalk. That is, we share with the group as a whole rather than addressing comments or questions to individual members. We limit the length of our sharing so that everyone here will have a chance to speak. This is a special meeting which deals specifically with couples' relationships, but our purpose in sharing is to discuss ourselves rather than our partners. Sharing shall be pertinent to couples' relationships, and that if you wish to talk about your partner, he or she must be present. Our meetings focus on the SNN approach to recovery, so we avoid the mention or discussion of specific titles and authors of publications other than SNN conference-approved literature, which is literature from SNN, SA, Al-Anon, and AA. We leave our other identities outside the discussion, other 12-step issues, philosophies, religions, therapies, and occupations. We speak about and from the SNN point of view. Each member of the group is encouraged to remind other members during the meeting, if necessary, of our commitments to these guidelines. You may do so by simply raising your hand. The meeting is now open for sharing. Please limit your share to, we'll do two and one, um, and... Don's going to keep the time. So who please uh, feel free to come up and share. But you have to hold these so they don't touch sure. each other. It's really hold them in both hands. <laughs> I'm Robert. I'm a recovering sexaholic. Um, I want to talk about my communication journey. So when I started out uh, uh, in my family, there was never really any expression of emotion. Not only that, but during childhood, I did suffer some sexual abuse. As a result, I just internalized my emotions completely. I never, ever talked about anything that is emotional. Um, in fact, uh, when I first met my, uh, when I uh, met my partner and we were thinking about going to movies and things like that, I used to say, I don't, I don't, I never want to see any movie that has any emotion in it because I can't deal with it. Uh, you know, of course, if there's other things, violence, whatever, no problem, you know. <laughs> so, and that kind of, uh, uh, boiled over into our, our, our relationship also. So anytime there was a disagreement, there were several dramatic exits. You know, I, sometimes I might even get out of the moving car if it's moving slowly enough. So these never, they were never anything that was functional. It was just, just acting like a two-year-old, uh, it's it just happened so many times. Um, after recovery, the first thing I had to understand is I need to really know what I'm feeling to be able to even communicate it. So that was the, the hardest part was really to feel uh, what it is that I'm feeling. I can feel discomfort and I feel, I can feel I don't like what's happening, but I can't really identify what that source is. So, so that's number one. And that took me a long time. It took me a long time to even identify it. So by the time my partner asked me something and by the time I reacted to her, it could be an hour, it could be four hours. And that certainly was not functional. But working with it over time, it helped. The next big block that came, and I'll finish up quickly, is I was realizing I was trying to communicate what I, what I, what I thought my partner wanted to hear. Basically, whatever that makes her happy. 
So I was trying to communicate and I was trying to be in situations. I can say I did X, Y, and Z so you can be happy and so forth. So it wasn't really what, what Robert wanted to do or what Robert was doing. It's about what Sandy wanted to hear. So that was the biggest revelation to us. The biggest revelation is I am me and I don't have to always manage her feelings. I need to express my feelings. And that made a huge difference. That was such a freeing feeling when that happened. And all of a sudden, I actually felt happy about myself. I said, oh, really? What I feel really matters. So that, in brief, was a little bit of a communication journey. And there's, there's a lot more to it, but but I just wanted to share that. Thanks, Robert. Uh, I'm Sandy, a grateful Essanon. Uh, we have been married for 34 years, and for the last two years, uh, while we are in the recovery, the state of our marriage was, I would describe, as a um, g- good good portion of 20, 20 years or so was trying to f- uh, control each other and making our lives unmanageable. Later on, as the lives became unmanageable, to go into this emotional disconnect. So we really are walking parallel lines, which retrospectively I would say is even though we were together and not diverse, we were emotionally very diverse people. So anyway, we started this journey two years ago. And it was, we were really fortunate. Again, it's a higher power who has directed us. We really didn't ask or look for it, but we have been in our individual programs and also, um, a recovering. We also go to SNN couples, uh, program and also recovering couples anonymous. So we were in also simultaneously, uh, couples programs and that really helped us a lot as we listened to other couples, how they connected with each other and communicated in this dysfunctional relationships. We learned so much simultaneously that, that being clear with our boundaries with each other and, and, and like, like a previous share, accepting each other's reality. He is who he is, imperfect, perfectly imperfect, and I am as well. And accepting who we are, and each of us see the same thing as square and round, and accepting that, and then learning learning about that same thing from the other person more, because he's seeing it differently, and there's different information that I can learn from it. That was a that was a big thing for me, as we saw, we both saw that way. So that helped us a lot. And the biggest thing that happened to us recently in the last six months was really working on our family of origin issues. Because everything that's happening in the, in our relationship was really going back to our childhood. Everything that we are reacting to is not, nothing in front of us because it is so profound. The reaction, overwhelming feelings was really the, uh, is it two or three minutes that, do I have a minute? Okay. Thank you. So really working on that adult child issues, realizing that we are not grown up, we are not, we have not been behaving like grown ups. We have been behaving and communicating like children. And now recognizing when we are in our adult state, when we are in our child state, and trying to take deep breaths or, or uh, take pauses and uh, come back to the adult state and relate is also really helping us a lot. And of course, in all these couples meetings to understand and stay on our side of the street and talk with eye messages and listen to the other person with without any judgment. All these principles that we all have been talking about, they are hard. We slip, but one step at a time. Yes, we are getting better and better. Thanks to you all. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks.
Just if you want to share, come on up. Um, you can. We can make a line if you like. Right. That's. I'm going to stand up so I can see you all. Uh, this way, it's better for me. Uh, thank you for the shares that have been so rich. I never learned how to communicate at all because nobody ever taught me. So that's how I landed in relationships. And so I bungled all of them until I got into program. And the first thing I learned in my individual programs is how to talk in the I statements. I need. This is happening for me. This situation bothers me because blah. So that was really helpful instead of using the you word, which I learned is an attack word. So I started shutting myself off when I came to the you. you um, I feel blah, blah, blah. The second thing I learned, because after getting into my individual program and my spouse got into his, uh, we became members of a couple program. And this has been so, so valuable because it was there that, first of all, I learned that I have no idea how to listen. So even though we were talking a lot, I was filibustering. Um, and so those of you who know me, I filibuster. So, and it drowns him out, bless his heart. So we learned to start with our meetings, our regular meetings, which we do to foster communication, to start with a timer so that we could time each other, which is very helpful for me. I needed that, number one. Number two, I needed to learn how to listen because listening to me was formulating what I was going to say back. That was listening to me before I learned. And so the timer forced me to do this and certain guidelines in that. So we began a very structured series of meetings until gradually, slowly over time, on a weekly basis for our meetings, and sometimes we would meet every day and talk for a short period of time. This really, really helped. And then when we had larger issues, uh, really difficult ones, we'd make dates with each other, appointments. And at least my method was to come with solutions, to come to the meeting with, I need this, I see this, and this is a solution that I see, or these are solutions that I see. So we were trying to uh, live in the solution and not the problem. And then, I mean, I could go on because there's lots of things I learned there um, in this couples program. But the agreements, finally, I'll end on that. We learned how to negotiate agreements with each other, agreements on everything, sex, play, household chores, finances, etc. This was incredibly valuable because then we'd have to draft the agreement, sign the agreement, and post the agreement where we could see it so that we could re- helpfully <laughs> remind each other, hey, we made this agreement, remember this agreement, and, you know, renegotiate when we needed to. But this, these guidances helped us to really grow together. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Sue. You're welcome, My name is Paul. I'm a sexaholic. And... Sammy mentioned that we were part of a couples group, and we've been in that group for quite a while, uh, 17 years, I think, total. And just part of the focus is on caring, communication, and commitment. So you would think I'd be better at it than what I am. (laughs) 
just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's hard. It is really hard because uh, as a sexaholic, um, vocalizing my feelings is not my first. That's not my go-to. That's not my default. I don't go, oh, you know, I was really upset about something. That's 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 truly just not me. And it's it was real hard for me to to learn. First of all, to feel safe. First of all, to discover that I had feelings because I was hot and I was cold and hungry, and those were about all the feelings that I had. Those were that was it. And all of a sudden, I oh, I can feel melancholy. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> well, okay, I'm melancholy now. But uh, it was it was <laughs> it was really hard uh, to to recognize what they were and then to be able to express them um, and then to to feel safe enough in a relationship to express them. And one of the things that we, we do, there's a, there's a couple of things I want to mention real quick. We do what's called a fair fighting contract and we have rules on how to engage in a conflict. We pick one thing that is pressing to both of us. We set up a time and we have a standard set of rules that we, that we just like combat, just like going into boxing. If you're going into a boxing match, you, you can't start throwing kicks in there. It's just boxing. So <clears throat> we have this set of rules and we both signed it and we both agreed to them and, and this is how we do it. Another technique that we use is a, a party of two, of, um, say it, huh? A meeting of two. See, there you go. That's communication right there. Uh, we have a meeting of two where, where we will, we, if something's happening or, or, or something like this or somebody's upset, uh, Sammy's upset, uh, it's usually, uh, Paul sit down and we're going to have a meeting of two. And a meeting of two is, is just like what she had mentioned. We have a little like an egg timer, turn it over. That's her three minutes. That saves me from being beaten to death. Uh, and then, and then I get three minutes, which I never use. <laughs> so. So we sit in silence for a little bit. That's okay. <laughs> but those, those are some of the techniques that we have. And this, and this levels the playing field. This keeps things, uh, you know, we both agree to it and it keeps, it keeps a level playing field. Cause otherwise, some people can go on and on and on. That's not me. Uh, so anyway, that's what we got and that's all I'm going to say. And, uh, who's next? Thanks for sharing. Thanks, Paul. Hi, I'm Vicki. Hi, Vicki. And um, I'm a grateful member of Essanon, and I'm grateful to be here with my husband, Ron. And as far as communication for us, um, it took many, many years to figure a way to communicate together. And we had a lot of ups and downs, and probably just, I don't know, within this last year, we finally came to an understanding of what we needed to do to be able to communicate together. And what we decided to do is um, we have a living room in our house that we never use, and we have a couch in the living room that we never sit on. And so we made that our communication room, and we made that our 
our uh, communication couch, and we dubbed it the talking couch in the talking room. And so what we do is when we have something that we want to talk about or we just want to spend time talking, we'll say, you know, can we go to the talking couch? And so we'll go into that room and we'll sit there, and it gives us a chance where we can share with each other or talk about something that maybe we don't feel safe about talking about. Um, and it gives us a chance to have a safe place that we know is a place where we have experienced before talking, and it wasn't so bad. We lived through it. And um, anyway, so that's what we do. And one thing I'm grateful for in my program is, in Essanon, it helped me to have a voice, and it helped me to realize that I, I do have things that I can share and that I do have a voice that I can share my feelings and it taught me about the I statements, etc. And so I'm very grateful for that. So anyways, thank you for letting me share. Thanks. I'm Ron and I am a sexaholic in recovery. <clears throat> yeah, after 35 years of marriage, we finally learned how to communicate with each other. And... Uh, I've never been very good at that. You know, something pops in my head and it comes right out of my mouth after that. And usually it's something stupid and it, it's caused some problems. And I know with, with my wife, there's filters in, in there that kind of filter things out and appropriate things are said. I'm not like that usually. I, um, we do have a couple rules with the, with the talking room. We can defer going in there for a, up to a day. You know, let's talk. No, we'll do it tomorrow, you know. <laughs> but it, it, it works for us. I, I also, I try to be an active listener. I try real hard at this, but I can only do it for so long. You know, I start to glaze over and, <clears throat> and I can't remember everything that was said. And it just, things just don't work after, say, 20 minutes or so. So we, um, when she sees that, that look on me, uh, she knows it's time to maybe defer it. We'll cut off here and go back tomorrow or something like that. I've learned at 11.15 at night with my head on the pillow, and I hear, let's talk. we got something to talk about. Nothing good will come of that conversation. <laughs> Nothing. So that's something that we've learned. Maybe we can wait till tomorrow on this. Um, it works for us. You know, we needed something a little more structured. I'm not the kind of person that can just sit down and carry on a two-hour conversation. I, I'm not built that way. And God bless those that are. You know, they're very good active listeners. I'm not one of those, but I'm good for about 15, 20 minutes. Anyway, thanks for letting us share.
are you doing? I'm scared you're going to say something bad. <laughs> I probably will eventually. Um, hi, my name's Eric. Um, I'm married Julie here, part of a couple shit. Um, you know, it, just want to say one, two things I want to say right off the bat is um, I don't like getting up here anymore because I feel like you all will find out that we have the absolute worst coupleship in the world. I mean, that's how I think. That's what happens in my mind. I don't want to come up here because you'll see through how terrible both of us really are. I mean, that's, that's what I think. And the second thing is seeing in front here and listening to people share, it, I felt like I was in God's arms. And so, you know, now I'll say something. I'll ding my wife a little bit because she dings me all the time. I like dinging her in a bunch of, in front of a bunch of people. <laughs> Just makes me feel like somehow you I'm going to convince you all that she's the one that's really bad and I'm the one that's really right. But she's always convincing me to go outside of 12 step programs and she intimates at times that, well, you know, that it's time for me to get out of this thing a little bit. I couldn't see anywhere else where I could hear what I hear like this in this way. I I don't want to go anywhere else. You all go somewhere else. <laughs> and then come back here and tell me why you came back. Um, so I, this is where I think I belong. My wife and I, we have back scratch time at night. So we sit down, we have about 15 minutes. Now, sometimes she doesn't like to do it. She wants to dance. And so at times we'll dance or we'll do both. She'll, she'll pick a song because she never likes any of the songs I pick. Um, but, and I think my musical tastes are pretty well rounded, but it's important to, I don't care what song I dance to. I didn't want to dance anyway. <laughs> And I'm okay with it. Don't get me wrong, you know. I'm all right with it. So do we talk about issues? Yeah, we do. Um, I don't know. Let her. I can't at times. You know, that's the problem with a couple ship, right? Two people, right? But that's it. There's no one else that is in the room refereeing the thing or showing us. And I might think we're doing really good. And she might think we're doing really good. But we're all by ourselves, by ourselves. All right, I'm, that's it. Hi, I'm Julie, and a couple sit with Eric. Um, um, generally, we do really, really good communication. We have this magic word of boundary, and all you have to do is at any time say the magic word boundary, and then you have to wait a whole day to talk about it. So. Whatever topic we're on, he'll just say, I'm setting a boundary on it. And I don't want to hear that word. It's like, oh, no, I have to wait a whole 24 hours. <laughs> um, there was a time we couldn't talk about money, and I just said we have to have an outside person present. I don't care if they're a therapist or, or a drunk on the street. I just Another person has to be there when we talk about money. And it was kind of a boundary. But... Um, we do have back scratch time and, uh, you know, it's not at the time I want, you know, I want it to be at my time schedule, but we generally can talk about things. Um, 
I'd like to go to a couples program. I think that would be really good. I hear all these great things about people who do that. Uh, we, I mean, we go to so many meetings that if I'm really mad at Eric, which I can share it at a meeting that we're at together. It's like if he doesn't hear me. And then if we're at a meeting together and I share it during the meeting, he kind of hears me. So I'm really glad there's couples meetings. I'm so glad there's people I've known 10 years, 15 years. And uh, I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Hi, I'm Ginger. And I am going to try to put these together because I like to talk with my hand, as I notice some other people do. Um, we were talking about what we were going to talk about. My first thing is respect. Um, and we're talking about what tools do we use. Um, he'll name it because I already forgot what you call it. <laughs> but taking a time out when things get too hairy, basically. Um, I remember one time, I, I don't get my bus, buttons pushed very often. It's hard to push my buttons. But one time he said something and I was just, I was like, okay, down the hallway, into the bedroom, into the closet. I'm going to hang up some clothes. (laughs) Trying to get away from him. So what does he do? He follows me. I'm like, (laughs) I was like, grab my phone out the door, walking down the street. And I'm talking to somebody, trying to deal with my emotions, and he's calling me. (laughs) <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> give me some time here. Um, but, yeah, that's the taking time away from the situation. Uh, he just didn't know where I was. I wanted to check and see where I was. Um, but respect is the biggest, I think. Um, communicating with respect, no name-calling, no cussing. Um, I don't think we fight. I think we argue sometimes. Uh, and occasionally we do raise our voices. We get a little excited. But having respect for each other as an individual person is the biggie. Um, and that just totally sidetracked me right there. So uh, maybe I'll come back. <laughs> Hi, my name's Tom. We were sitting back there, and I said, so what one tool would you share? She said, give me an example. So she shared the example I gave her that I was going to share. (laughs) Great job. (laughs) I really am enjoying listening to the shares because I'm a real big how-to person. It's one thing to say you need to work the steps. But it's another thing to have somebody saying, this is how you do it. Or to come into a meeting and say, you need to be able to communicate. But it's another thing to say, and this is how we do it. So what she was referring to is what we call the toxic timeout. And it comes from steps four, first of all, which suggests that when, some, when, when I'm irritated, there's something wrong with me. It also comes from step 11 that says when agitated, or I love that word too, agitated, it just encompasses all kinds of stuff. When agitated or doubtful, we pause and ask for the next thought or right action. Um, but there's a, there's a caveat to that, especially for guys. Now, I'm sure nobody can relate to this, but I used to like to just close down 
completely. And so the toxic timeout worked really well for me uh, because I, I could get out of that situation really quickly. The caveat is that I have to set a time limit of when I'm coming back to this conversation. And that's for two two reasons. Number one is the one I just shared with you. But the other one is, I've heard this in, in Essanon talk sometimes about, and I can relate to, abandonment issues. When I can say, I'm going to be back in 20 minutes and we'll pick up, I need a timeout. I'm just really toxic right now. I'm not abandoning the conversation. I'm taking a timeout. This tool really has worked well for us. She talked about it, except I didn't get it. I was really early in program, um, and I followed her into the closet, and I called her on the phone. You know, how many times have I said, you need to call your sponsor? And then she does, and I'm trying to sabotage it. And call her, get off the phone, talk to me. So th- that's the one tool that I wanted to share. She's right. We don't, we don't fight too often. I, I, you know, I can remember a few times. Um, and we do argue, but we really have a, a mutual respect for one another. And I think that really, really helps a lot. Um, because it, it puts me in a place that I want to listen. Uh, to what she has to say. And I don't always like what she has to say, but I know I need to listen. So um, thanks for letting us share. Go ahead. I don't want you to trip. Don't trip. We're still waiting for anyone who wants to come up. Please feel free. But there's something that I realized I didn't share. Um, I'm Yvonne again. Um, one of the tools that I needed to develop in myself was um, rem- learning that I couldn't read his mind and not to expect him to read mine. That that, that was something that got in the way of our communication on my end, because, of course, if he can't read my mind, he doesn't know why I'm so upset about whatever he did or did not do. And then he's supposed to understand and figure it all out, and I haven't said a word. It it turns out that's really not good communicating. So I... (laughs) Who knew? So so I've, I've tried to teach myself to go, if something's irritating me and I feel myself getting into that place, I go, oh, right, I have to tell him that's what I'm thinking. And if, and, and the same goes for if I think I'm reading his mind, the truth is I, it's not my job. He's got to tell me. I can say, hey, is everything okay? Or, hey, what's going on? Or, gee, you seem distracted or, you know, anything like that. But but I I it's really important for me to realize what I can and can't do. And reading minds is, is not one of those things I can do. So thanks.
Hi, I'm Dana. Hi. Um, thank you for the topic. It's a really good one. So Yvonne asked me to read right before the meeting, and I was really struck by the reading. And the thing that really stuck out to me was my recovery has taught me that I'm not always right and that being right doesn't really even matter. And I have not learned that in my recovery at all. I still like being right very much so, and um, so I felt like this reading was just for me today. Um, I've always thought of open communication as being a time to win the debate. Um, that's one of my character defects is I like to be right, and that comes from my family because being quiet uh, is a sign of weakness, and not having a snappy comeback and not getting the other person to change their mind and come around to your way is also a sign of weakness. And so I don't like to do that. And so um, someone in, in my program has said quite often um, about learning to be quiet and just listen. And I've always thought that that was great for that person, but not particularly for me. And what I'm really hearing today is that that's something that I need to work on is, um, and I've been feeling this for some time, but not knowing how to do it, is being kind and compassionate and quiet sometimes is better than being right. And I'm... I'm not even quite sure that I believe that yet, but I'm working on it, and that's part of my recovery. So thanks for letting me share. Uh, I'm Larry. Uh, So we're a perfect couple with communication because I'll sit quietly, and I will come around to her side and agree with her because I want to be liked. I want to look good in her eyes. I will do and say whatever she she wants. And so I'm learning, learning to have a voice. Um, I still have a hard time saying, um, no, I don't feel that way or no, I don't agree with you. Um, but it's getting better. Um, I have seen our communication is getting better. Uh, it's, we're, uh, we're calm, a lot calmer than it used to be because she was raised in a rageaholic, alcoholic family. And so she became her dad. And I'm my passive-aggressive mom. And so it really didn't work well um, early in recovery. And I've seen a lot of progress with Dana being calm. She'll come to me and say, I don't feel well or I don't like what you're doing. Um, I feel this. Um, and someone mentioned earlier, too, is like, what's going on in your head? What are you thinking right now? And that helps me stop and pause, be like, okay, what am I thinking right now? And then to be able to share that. Um I think that's all I all I have. So thanks for letting me share. I know that. Not you, Julie. I'm <laughs> I'm Dale, and I'm part of a recovering couple. Hi, Dale. My other half here is Melinda. Anyway. 
Our communications suck. That's why we're here. <laughs> so any newcomers, we can identify. And it, and what happens is I'm up here to tell myself and uh, my sponsor's in this room also. And the deal is, is that I come, I hear the tools, I know the tools, I will go home and we'll practice the tools for the next couple of weeks and shit will be great. Then we slide right back into our old behavior. And it turns into, you know what? And, uh, so, uh, and I'm sitting back there and I'm, as I'm sitting there going through, okay, been here before. Here's the answers I usually get. Okay. Well, Friday night, there's a good, there's a great meeting on Friday night. We don't do well. We don't do anything on Friday night. We've learned over the years that Friday night, we go to bed early. <laughs> or we're, or we're going to end up fighting mostly. Um, and <clears throat> so I got to start. I got to, I got to, I have to change my attitude and, um, bottom line, I have, I got to change my attitude. Uh, be willing to do something different. And I don't know what the hell that looks like. Cause I don't sponsor me. I need to talk to my sponsor about what that thinking needs to look like and what are the options I have. And I'll shut up there. Oh, I'm going to go over here. Okay. So I don't fall down. My name is Melinda. So my husband wanted to come up here and talk, and I said, look at the topic. We don't, we don't have a strategy. <laughs> serious and I said we're supposed to be here to help the newcomer this is our strategy fire aim ready (laughs) because we're somebody we all each of us wants the last word all the time oh so I am so recovered I am now able to say you can be right if you want to think you are So I don't have to make amends, and I still get the last word. (laughs) One thing we do, I mean, we can't even decide, where do you want to go to dinner? I don't know, where do you want to go to dinner? Well, I chose last time. Well, every time I choose, you want to go somewhere else. So why even ask me? All we're trying to do is get some nutrition. We end up at Costco eating a $1.50 hot dog. One of our best opening lines is, you know, the saying is penny for your thoughts, but we have the more disease, so we ask each other, quarter. Because <laughs> we can't talk in full sentences either. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that means I'll give you a quarter for what you're thinking. So uh, we're so old, We he, it's not that we're going to get in a fight Friday. We're just too old, so we go to bed early. We, I used to be up at 1 in the morning beating on his chest, drilling him for stuff, and someone told us that you can't have a discussion past 10, and then they moved it back to 8, then to 7. <laughs> it's like you can't have a discussion after dinner. So 
what I've learned over the years is how important is it anyway? Well, it's important because I think it's important, and therein lies the problem. I think it's important. i got to tell him something. Uh, my fingernail broke over here. You know what? He doesn't care about my fingernails. He's not my girlfriend. He's my husband. So I have to keep coming back because I'm especially stupid and stubborn. So thank anyone that's new. Welcome, and I hope you keep coming back. You can be up here talking strategies. <laughs> Um, I have one quick story to tell. One of the benefits of having improved communication is the relationship with my wife has gotten so much better. But there's been a side benefit, too, and that is my relationship with my children have gotten better. I've grown children 30 and 28. An example is a couple of weeks ago, my daughter called and says, Daddy, I have this great news. I have a win at work. And she was just so excited, and she wanted to share it with me. At the end of the conversation, we were chatting, and at the end of the conversation, she says, You know, Dad, three years ago, I would have not picked up the phone and called you. Um, and so that's the benefit of kind of working the program. And she doesn't know that I'm working the program, but she sees the benefit in how I communicate with her and how I interrelate with her. Um, and it's just one of those things that is just brings so much joy to me and to our relationship. So thank you. That is all the time we have for sharing. Thank you for sharing your experience, strength, and hope regarding your relationships. If you did not have a chance to share, please find someone after the meeting with whom you may do so. This is an anonymous program. Please keep all names and shares you have heard in this meeting to yourselves. Would someone please read if someone has a vision for you? Robert. I'm Robert. A vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you.